Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 437. Figure out, find out, do whatever it takes to figure out what you really like to do in life. Irrespective of what you think other people think, irrespective of money, irrespective of anything, what is it that you really like to do? This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Rick Rosso. Rick, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? <laughs> I've got my six-point harness, Mark. Awesome. I'm strapped Good. in. All right. Well, I'll try to keep it between the rails and out of the ditch, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Rick Rosso is the Press, Public Relations, and Editorial Director at Lime Rock Park in Northwest Connecticut. Lime Rock is one of the most iconic racetracks in the United States and arguably one of the best in the world. Rick's been riding professionally since 1988, and some of his work includes writing, reporting, and editing for the world's largest racing school, Skip Barber. That's where I got my license. There you go. He's a racer who loves to get out on the track and go fast. He worked in the cable television industry, radio trade, newspapers, and has written expository and technical pieces for Porsche, automotive think tanks, and the aviation industry. So, Rick, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and your passion for automobiles and your love for racing? I can tell you I was reading car magazines in third grade. Nice. So, so it was car life, I remember in particular. It ended up being bought up by a car and driver. Yeah. I found myself at a point, uh, and we may get into this later, mm -hmm. where I was scared of the notion no not not notion scared of the nightmare <laughs> of waking up when i was old and going i didn't try to do what i really wanted to do ah, i love this and, no and really that was the motivation that was i was in my early 30s and loving cars and racing but obviously couldn't afford to race myself and not obviously but i couldn't afford to race myself yep and I just didn't want to be regretful that I didn't try to get in the business. And, 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 the, and the motivation for all this, Mark, the seed for everything to this day is 
wanting to race, to race myself, mm-hmm. not just watch it, not just be in the industry, but to race. Yep. And I tried to figure out a way <laughs> how I could do that on someone else's dime without knocking on doors and literally asking for sponsorship. That just wasn't, just wasn't an option. But uh, I wrangled my way into working for Skip Barber mm-hmm. when Skip still owned the school. And part of the quid pro quo was if there was a race weekend, because I don't know if all the listeners know, but this Skip Barber school at the time and to this day runs race series championships yeah. for those, yeah. not only the graduates, but but anyone. And the quid pro quo with Skip was if there was a race weekend and all the seats weren't sold out. In other words, I wasn't taking a paying seat. Mm-hmm. I could race. Nice. And that's exactly. And that's how I've done... 50 or so Formula Ford races. Oh, my gosh. Some Miata races. So, no, I'm not in the cockpit every day. But that's the genesis of everything of being in this business was that I could get seat time. As it happens, I also happen to be, by most people's estimates, a a decent rider. (laughs) So I've been able to take the riding, which I really like to do, really love to do, Mm -hmm. and... I, I leverage that into seat time. I mean, that's that's a weird connection, but it's it's what worked for me. And because uh, I started working for Skip in 1989. Oh gosh. And yeah. yep. And then uh, left there briefly in the late 90s to work for. Uh, I did some Porsche stuff, some Saab stuff. I was actually on the team with Maria Giannacci that did the first Red Bull American F1 driver search. Wow, cool. That was that was great, going over to Paul Ricard and spending a week there and all these young drivers. It was awesome. Then I came back to the school in 03, and then uh, by which time Skip had sold the school. Mm-hmm. I want the listeners to know, because there's still some Skip Barber. The name is so iconic oh, yeah. that when you say Skip Barber, you can be referencing either the person or the school. Right. But just for the record, Skip Barber, the person does not own the school. He sold it in 1999. Mm-hmm. An LLC out of New York is the owner of the Skip Barber Racing School. And then Skip Barber, the person, bought out the investors that he had joined in 1983 to buy Limerick. He bought all those guys out by the early, I think by 99 or 2000. Mm-hmm. So Skip Barber, the person, owns and runs and caretakes Limerick Park. Wow, and, cool. And, but the school is still a big renter there. They're, Limerick is one of the their favorite track. So the school, even when Skip owned it, the school rented Lime Rock Park, money going from one pocket to the other. And now it's, it's um, a separate entity, but working for Skip has just been a tremendous, unbelievably valuable asset, if you will, to my career, because the school is the genesis of so many things, drivers, mechanics, PR people, you name it. I got to meet everybody. So that, that's been a, an enjoyable part of part of my life. You know, the great thing and the great lesson here for our listeners who uh, want to figure out a way to wrap their passion for cars into their careers is listen to Rick's story because very unique way in which you tied this all together in a nice little bow and you've been able to continue <laughs> right. it. So it's it's just a really great story. I love it. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. Something that's important in your life that has some meaning. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, you love to race. So, Rick, take the wheel. (laughs) Figure out, find out, do whatever it takes to figure out what you really like to do in life. Irrespective of what you think other people think. Irrespective of money. Irrespective of anything. What is it that you really like to do? Mm Mm-hmm. 
and then figure out a way to get paid for it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I did. I'll, I'll go a little bit more detail in the story. Basically, I was selling John Deere construction equipment in Boston. Mm -hmm. There's a long story how I got up to that point, but it was there that I woke up in that that fright of, oh my gosh. What am I doing? I don't, right. I don't want to regret having not at least tried. Right. That saying I just gave you is, I'm not sure I was thinking it at the time, but I was feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough that uh, my wife at the time, she was making good money as a, uh, as a regional manager for a, uh, uh, a large, well-known uh, retail uh, outfit. Uh -huh. And she was good enough that she could basically say, hey, is it okay if uh, I take over the, uh, the district in uh, the D.C. area? And the reason why I was D.C. is because I made the decision I'm going to get in the business. And at the time, NASCAR was big. So I'm going to move down. Toward, you know, down toward the south, you know, where the, the near where the teams are located, near where all those tracks are, Martinsville and Bristol, you name it. And so my dad and mom were living in uh, outside of D.C. in Warrington, Virginia, and that's where we moved. They had a big hacienda house. There was plenty of room to take me and Jan. Nice. So, um, so for a year, but here's here's what it is. So I moved down there thinking, okay, I'm going to write letters uh, to the PR firms that handle cup teams. And uh, surely I'll get a job with a team or a track or something. So I'm writing letters, and I've got all this motivation, and I'm ready to rock. Sound of crickets for six months. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. a word. Yeah. And the main thing that I finally figured out was I don't have any proven writing background. I mean, there's nothing I can present. Like, I did this, and I did this, and read this. And, I, and there was no interweb back there, so back yeah. then, so you couldn't point to that. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, okay, I've got to, I've got to get a portfolio. And I looked in the, uh, the paper. That's what you used at the time, the newspaper. And there was an internship at a newspaper, a trade newspaper in D.C. Didn't pay any money. It was an hour drive in D.C. traffic. Oh, gosh. But I did. The, but <laughs> I, so I go in for the interview. And, of course, I'm older than most of their interns. Their interns are going to be in their early 20s at this point. I'm 30-ish. Yeah. And, what uh, are you doing here, buddy? <laughs> exactly. But they liked me. Mm -hmm. And the editor hired me. So I'm freaking, okay, great. I'm going to make the coffee, take out the trash. Every few weeks, they throw me an obituary. But I'll be on the masthead. Yeah. Well, I walk in the next week, the first day, and J.J. Yor, he's the editor, he goes, Okay, uh, Rosso, let's see. Uh, you're in charge of this column, this column, and you're going to write a feature every other week. And I'm like, holy sh... Well, I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, holy... <laughs> right, holy... I can't... So thrown into not the 12-foot part of the pool, but the like the 35-foot yeah. end of the pool. Yeah, learn to swim, son. <laughs> exactly, Mark. And it was, it was fantastic. And it had nothing to do with racing. But the point is, I was learning from really good writers and editors and i i was under deadlines and i was i mean i was doing it learning the craft yeah learning the craft of 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 writing yeah and uh something i didn't mention to you and this is actually sort of important because i i just now remembered as part of the motivation mm -hmm. auto week of course i've been reading auto week forever since like i said uh, their third grade auto week ran an ad for a pr person mm. for the barbasob pro series and I cut that little ad out. It was only like a five-line ad. And I go, man, that's, I wish I could apply for that. That's what I really wanted to do. I'd love yeah. to be able to do that. 
because that also involved producing the, the TV for ESPN and stuff, just everything you would want. So I cut that ad out and I put it in my wallet. Then I got the job with the newspaper. I'm there 13 months, 12 months, something like that. And lo and behold, and of course my clip file is a mile high now. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, that ad runs again. Hmm. I mean, it was like, this is unbelievable. It's still so, there. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is February of 89, mm-hmm. right? And I applied, Fred Stevenson, who was running the PR for the firm that was doing the PR for Skip, flies me, he flies down to D.C., we interview, get the job. He needed someone right away. As it turns out, the guy who had taken the job the year before, when I saw that ad the first time, mm-hmm. at the end of that one year, he left to become... Imsa's PR guy. Okay. So now the PR guy, the PR slot for Barbasaw was open again. I mean, that was serendipitous, like you read about. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> because it was so late in the day, because Barbasaw's first race was the Miami Grand Prix, and it was coming up in early March, and this is now February, mm-hmm. and they don't, they still don't have a PR guy. So Fred Stevenson flies down to D.C. I meet him at the airport. Um, we have uh, lunch interview basically he wanted to see if i was an idiot or not and did i know cars and racing or not so basically it was a, it was a, a subtle test at, at yeah. the restaurant table quiet interview <laughs> soft interview right. but i realized what it was and he left and a day later it says you got it nice there's a great saying that i've always loved that you can fail at what you don't like to do so you might as well take a chance at doing what you love <laughs> you know it's... that's great that's a great corollary to that Absolutely. Let's go back in time a little bit. Is there a pivotal moment you remember in your life when you really realized you were a car guy? Yes. And at the time, I didn't realize it. But when you look back, you see that it was. I'm 12 years old, 11 or 12, maybe 13. Mm -hmm. And I come from a large family, nine kids. I have eight brothers and sisters. And my dad comes home out of the blue. I didn't know this was going on with a brand new, a 1965 Ford country squire with a 352 in it (laughs) okay and it's just a station wagon with the wood siding but uh somehow that probably is the reason why i became a ford guy i'm still a ford guy to this day Mm -hmm. about a month later he comes home with the the same car but he's put four goodyear polyglass gt tires on it not because my dad was a car guy he wasn't they were blems, as the tire industry called them. They had uh-huh. little minor nicks in the raised white lettering or something amiss visually. And he got them for a super deal. But now I'm sitting there looking at our country squire with these really boss, mega cool tires. So yeah. even at, I was even into, obviously, if I recognized that, I must have been into cars by then. And then my dad let me do stuff like I blacked out the grill. I did some other things uh, like in the engine to make it look nicer. Just minor stuff, but... But that was, I think that was probably the point where, okay, I'm a car guy, and <laughs> this is awesome. And I'm hooked. Yeah, that, that, I'm, hooked. <laughs> I'm hooked. I love it. You know, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk a little bit about a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the more important part of this is how did you overcome it, and, and what did it teach you? Oh, boy. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come across as, you know, how they tell uh, people being interviewed for jobs to turn negatives into, you know, spin it as a positive. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is sort of of that ilk. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, <clears throat> I really didn't know what I wanted to do. All, all I knew is I, I, I wanted to have a college degree. In fact, after 
three or four terms, I realized I had a bunch of psychology uh, credits. So I said, okay, let's let's major in psychology, which at Pitt, by the way, University of Pittsburgh, it was leading edge at the time that their psych degree was a BS and not a BA. And that's because they required a lot of science mm. to get your uh, degree in uh, in psychology. Mm. And people, and now by the time you're at the end of your sophomore year, junior year, people ask, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I had no idea what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. No idea. One time I just said, because it was probably just floating there in the ether, I said law school. And that shut everyone up. The moment I said, when they asked, what are you going to do? And you say law school. Oh, that's great. So I wasn't bothered by that question anymore. I just would answer law school. <laughs> boom. Yeah. Conversation done. On to the next topic. Sure. Let's talk about engines or something. So I said it enough that I, I began to think, well, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Let's see. Here's the math going on in my head, Mark, at the time. Okay. I want to go racing, so I need money. I was even smart enough then <laughs> to know you had to have money to go racing. So... My dad mentioned engineering. Yeah, engineers. You get you get into the right outfit, do the right place. You could like make a lot of money as an engineer. That'll fund my racing. Oh, Rick, wait a minute. No, you're not. You're not stellar in math. Doctor, medicals. Yes, they make tons of money. That will fund my race. Oh, wait. I'm really not good in chemistry. Not to mention ten years of schooling. <laughs> right, right. Law school. I did. Hey, yeah. I can think a little bit. I know I'm a good writer. <laughs> like I can think law a little school, bit. Law <laughs> school, that, that, that's what I'll do. I'll get a law degree. I mean, that's how focused your thinking is. Not thinking of anything else other than, well, if I get a law degree, I'll be a lawyer, I'll be rich, I'll go racing. Right. That's the math. Yeah. And so I go to law school. And, you know, I did well in the LSATs. Go to law school. And I realized I wasn't there for the right motivation. Here's, I love the irony of this. A class I was having big trouble with was, you're going to howl when you hear this, legal research and writing. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I was having trouble in there, and I'm one of those stubborn Italians who didn't, you know, I wasn't going to ask for help, and it was basically the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's when I left law school. Yeah. Of course, the irony is that I make my living by make my living by writing. Yeah. So had I asked for a little bit of help, but the thing is, Mark, that was also... It took, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but it takes, and I know a lot of listeners have experienced this, it takes, a, it takes some courage to do something like that, to leave when the weight of expectation from your parents, your family, your friends, oh, yeah. how it looks from the outside. Oh, yeah. Some people think it would be easy to quit something, but in this respect, I think it's hard to quit. But I did, and... I don't regret it to this day. I mean, yes, sometimes I think, oh, it'd be nice to have a law degree, da 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 But the thing is, that's what sort of laid the foundation for what I was able to do 10 years later, which was have the courage to drop everything. Because I was making good money in the construction biz. To drop everything to go pursue your passion. You know, yeah, you dropped a, a really important message here. For listeners out there, if you're digging a hole, sometimes it's good to know when to stop and get out and go start a hole somewhere else. And at the the risk of looking like a quitter or uh, yep. you failed, maybe you don't want to bl- tell oh, yeah, anybody, that's what like. yeah, whatever. So no, it's a great it's a great story, great message, and very very important to uh, understand the why that you are doing something. It's very very important to know why you're doing something. In your case. Going after a law degree just so you could go do what you really wanted to do 
was the right. wrong why. So, right. you know, let's right. shift gears here and go to that. The other end of the spectrum, was there a career aha moment that happened for you that, <laughs> you know, the lights kind of come on and guide your way? No, no, there wasn't a, no, no, there wasn't an aha moment. A lot of the listeners probably know who Jeremy Shaw is. Longtime writer for Autosport, racing writer, just a tremendous writer, great guy. A lot of people hear him on IMSA radio now. He does the uh, the radio and uh, webcast uh, uh, IMSA races. Mm-hmm. He was basically a, a writer for Autosport, and had been around a while, and he had a voice. In other words, he could comment. And I remember we were out at Sears Point, which is now Sonoma Raceway. We were out at Sears Point, and he was there covering IMSA. I was there, of course, because Barbara Saab was there. And... I asked him, I said, Jeremy, when, when do you know, Mark, this is so hard to explain, but I was at that point where I was doing a good job and people ran my releases as stories and I was, you know, respected amongst the people that knew what, what you know, who I was, what I was doing. But I, I felt like I, I, I hadn't reached that point of being like, I, I'm not equating myself to Gordon Kirby, but when do you get to the point where you have the license to comment, in other words, to have an opinion, mm-hmm. to criticize, and not necessarily negatively. I asked Jeremy, because he, he was obviously, obviously already there. He said, you'll just, it'll just happen. You'll just, one day you'll be writing something, and you know it's okay to say, and that was the stupidest move I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. or they shouldn't be pursuing that whatever. Yeah, and, right. and it happened. Probably three years after I talked to Jeremy about it, I was, I was doing something, writing something, and out came the opinion. Right. And I knew instinctually that it was okay, that I'd earned the right to say that. In other words, I'd been around enough, and pe- whatever it is that those pieces come together, I sort of, sort of knew that. So if you want to call that an aha moment stretched out over two or three years, I would say that was it. There's a con- a concept called the imposter syndrome that everybody kind of goes through as they're building up their career, and they they kind of feel mm. like they're they're just they're an imposter. They're not real yet. That was and- it, Mark. You just hit the. Hit. That's it. That's what <laughs> I felt like. Yeah, I love that term. I felt yeah. so, like an imposter. It's a very common thing for people to go through in their careers, and there is a breakthrough point or an aha point, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes it's overnight. Sometimes it's usually over time where you finally start to feel really comfortable. People are accepting yeah. of you, and you go, okay, I'm here. Now I'm real. I'm not an imposter anymore. And many times people feel like an imposter for a lot longer than they really are. They really do become a, an yeah. expert in their field. You had a, a, a great story there for me to kind of interject that because it's really important for people's that, careers. I never thought of it from that perspective, but that's exactly what it was. There you go. There's uh-huh. your aha. <laughs> the imposter zone. <laughs> the, the imposter zone. How about proudest career moments? I. I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? This is so minor, but it's important to me in what I do. There's a very good friend of Skip's. His name is Jack Boxstrom, and he is part of the R&M auction world. He is a big muckety-muck. He may even be uh, an equity holder mm-hmm. in R&M auctions. He's on my both my fan email list, mm-hmm. which for Lime Rock numbers close to 40,000. And the press list, which I've probably got 1,200 people on there that get my stuff. And he once told Skip, didn't tell me, but he told Skip, 
Go skip. Rick is really good. He's the only he's the is the only track newsletter that comes out that I bother to read. Ah, I nice. Yeah. So that's one person that most of the general car nuts in the world have no idea who he is. But that to me was like wow. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Tell me about your first really special car. It doesn't have to be your first car, but the the first car you had that was really special for you. That would be my I. The only time in my life that I've purchased a new car. I'm just one of those people that it doesn't it doesn't pay to purchase a new car when you get one that's one year old. Yeah, that's essentially no. the same thing, and it's thousands less. Oh, anyway, yeah. not that I'm a thrift penny or no. It's a much smarter way to buy cars, that's for sure. But uh, the only new car I've purchased was a 1985 uh, five liter Mustang. And everyone goes, yeah, whatever. But let me tell you, in 85, the LX sedan version, in other words, the non-fastback, non-GT Mustang with the 302, that wasn't out there. But I knew it was because cops had them. Mm, And so I went to my local Ford dealer. Oh, no, you can't get get an LX sedan with with the 5 liter. I said, I'm pretty sure you can. Oh, no, you can't. Went to another Ford dealer. No, no, sir. Sorry. No. But we have some wonderful GTs out in the yeah, parking. Yeah. No, 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 no. We want to say what we have, not what we what you want. <laughs> right. And the reason why I wanted that was I wanted the Q-ship factor. I wanted the, as Colin Chapman used to say, I wanted to add lightness by not having the hatchback, which is the GT with the cladding, the rear hatch, and everything else weighed at least 250 pounds more than the, the LX sedan. Mm-hmm. So those are, as a car guy, those are things I knew I wanted. Finally, I go to Fred Beans Ford, what a great name, in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Walk in and say, all the Ford dealers are telling me I can't order an LX with a 5 liter. Oh, yes, you can. Sit down. I'm like, oh, my God, awesome. Literally took me five minutes. I knew exactly what I wanted. Cool. They ordered it. Four months later, it shows up. And there's my five-liter Mustang with the five-speed, the big Gatorback Goodyear tires, which were all the rage back then. Right. You got a four-link rear suspension. Even though it was a solid axle, it was actually the two uh, dampers north-south as well as some longitudinally lateral ones for better axle control. So I got all that and the front discs and, the, and all that, and it was 10000 bucks. And uh, the reason why that car meant so much to me was when I was in grade school, my dream car, and I know I'm aging myself here, mm-hmm. my dream car was the 70 Boss 302. Oh, of course. That yeah. was my car. I mean, I, I would ride my bike to parking lots, to, to, to the mall, to, to find, and, and occasionally I'd spot someone's Boss 302. <laughs> yeah. And I'd just be one, just you know, an hour just walking around and looking at it, thinking about it. One time I got in trouble, one of the security cops thought I was casing the car. Sure. <laughs> and I tried to say, no, no, no. I know I'm just 12 years old, but I'm a car guy. I wasn't saying this, but yeah, I'm a car guy, and this is my car, and I love it. And Anyway, you know. So Get out of here, kid. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> How about current projects? We're into the new year here. What's happening at Lime Rock Park in 2016 that you's got you excited oh, and my fired God. up? Well it's, well, it's harvesting the fruit of our labor of last year where – Skip spent four million bucks to completely. How do I say this? The track is exactly the same as when it was built in '57, but all the infrastructure we completely fixed up. The paddocks, nice. Limerick has two big paddocks, A and B, and 
even up until uh, just a couple years ago, they weren't even fully paved. Well, mm-hmm. now not only are they both fully paved, super smooth, perfect drainage, mm-hmm. they're both 30% bigger. So we have this huge, wonderful, pretty acreage of paddocks. And you wonder, well, how can a paddock be beautiful? Well, let me tell you, Skip did it. There are gardens. There is cobblestone Belgian block curbing. There are trees. There are granite post and chain fencing. I mean, nice. this paddock is gorgeous yeah. and very functional. And, and the reason why Skip did that was it, it served three purposes. One, the fans, because we don't charge people to go into the paddock. That's always free. Mm-hmm. The paddock is now a safe, fun, very cool place to be. Yeah. B, the competitors, because that's another customer you have to service. And that is the race teams that come with IMSA or SCCA Pro or whatever. Right. They want to come to a nice place. Of course. And they want to have enough room for their awnings. And they don't want to be working on their cars in the puddles. So we build it for them, too. And we also build it for, and people who are listeners out there who are in the automotive industry, now we have this terrific amount of pavement where you, as an OEM, have a great place to do press days, to do product launches, to do consumer test drives. So... If you came to Lime Rock as an OEM, you'd have the one-and-a-half-mile circuit, which is iconic. I don't think I need to describe that for everyone. Then you have the upper infield, which has a half-mile autocross and a skid pad. And then you've got these two beautiful paddocks. An OEM could come and run like nine modules simultaneously. Nice. So we've done that. And then a big thing from Skip's point of view regarding the spectators is we reconfigured the hillside viewing. And you think, well, so what? Well, let me tell you, by moving 200,000 square yards of earth, Mm -hmm. we reconfigured the hillside that overlooks the S's. And now, and I I tested this myself, you can sit on the hillside as a fan because there's no no grandstands at Lime Rock. It's all sitting under the trees on the grass. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You bring your picnic blanket and your your, uh, uh, lawn chairs, and that's how you watch and enjoy races at Lime Rock. Well, you can sit in one place and with... Out turning your body, just turning your head, you can see 44% of the racetrack. Very nice. That's amazing. You yeah. see the cars come down San Posey Strait. You see them go into Big Bend, which is turns one and two, come out of there, into the left-hander, up to the right-hander, and, and heading up uh, toward No Name. You can see that from one, just by sitting where you are, anywhere on the left-hander hillside. Wonderful. Which is awesome. Yeah. And there's all beautiful. new trees, and we put a new, um, what I call a mesa. A plateau area mm-hmm. where a big sponsor would like set up their huge hospitality tent, one of the best viewing spots at the at, at the circuit. You know, we're redoing the concession stands, redoing the bathrooms. So all that effort to make sure that Lime Rock is state of the art. Because because Skip did the track. I don't know if you know this, Mark. Skip redid the track in 2008. That's where it was repaved, mm-hmm. all new uh, guardrail, improved runoff area. Uh, improved and lengthened pit lane. All that stuff was done to make sure the track itself was state-of-the-art safe. And then 2015 was the year that we did all the uh, the the infrastructure work. I see. And there's a lot more to go. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's other buildings we want to redo and other things, but basically, if you came as a fan in 2014 and didn't come in 2015 when we were still doing the stuff in between the races, and you came in 2016... You would go, wow, <laughs> this place is totally different, yet it's totally the same. Very nice. I love it's it. a hard line to walk. Yeah, fantastic. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Rick. If you were a car 
And I'll include a race car. What kind would you be? <laughs> There's a lot of things that interest me. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. And maybe I'm not a master of all, but I'm, I'm really good at a lot of things. And I, I manifested this in buying the Mustang. Something Q-ship-ish. Mm-hmm. Something that can take people to dinner but is wicked fast. Yeah. Something that is quasi-practical and not super showy but can break and turn like you read about. So Well, maybe, I'm thinking, maybe then here we're going down the path of some kind of a really, you know, a very nice sedan, but it's just a kick-ass car when it comes to the motor, you know? May, yeah, maybe it's a Jag. Could be maybe a Jag. Maybe it's one of the up-level Jags. Um, M- I'm not a, how about an M5 BMW? I'm Mark, I know you're a BMW guy, <laughs> and I, I love BMW's historical sort of the way they, they need to be. Mm-hmm. But I think the latter-day, many, not all, many of the latter-day BMWs are just too techy, too... Well, maybe something that's, uh, you know, past. I mean, when the first M5s came out, and I, yes. I like M3s, there you go. but when the first ones came out, those things were pretty wicked. And I, I'll never forget driving one, test driving one, and I just couldn't believe how the power yep. kept coming on and on and on. But when you just yep. looked at the car, you go, well, it's just a sedan. Boring. No. Not, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, remember the first M3? Well, yeah, same thing. E30 M3. It was kind of, Well, right. that, one, that was kind of crazy wild with the... The fl- you knew something was going on, but the E36 M3, which I had two of, now I have an E46. I mean, mm-hmm. those cars look kind of like a standard car, but they go, you know. They, so right. Okay. So <laughs> I would, that, that, that's probably would, that would be me a high level, expensive because it has to be super do it all. I mean, maybe even one of the Quattroport Maseratis. Ah, there you go. Yeah. But something that does a lot of things very well, I and like maybe it. not the absolute best at. At everything. There you go. I mean, in terms of what car I'd love to own, I would love to own uh, oh, a we're Cayman. Gonna, we're going to get to that question in okay. a minute. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Rick, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Rick, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers, okay? Okay. Younger. There you go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Make sure you keep the car clean. And that's from the interior to the engine to the gearbox. If you keep it clean, it will last. And that's what I do. I like that. I do, too. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success? I would say I'm at my best writing and being creative in the morning. So, yes, I'm one of those people that gets to the office at 7. How about a resource? I know there's a lot of them out there, but is there one in particular you think the Cars Out listeners would enjoy? 
if you're an F1 fan, of which I count myself amongst that group, Joe Sowards blog. It's on Blogspot, and Joe Sowards' last name is S-A-W-A-R-D. That is tremendous, incisive, cogent writing concerning F1 and motorsports in general. And anyone who wants to see racing succeed, be it IndyCar, NASCAR, F1, Trans Am, whatever, Mm -hmm. would do themselves uh, well by reading Joe Sourd's blog, which I do. Awesome. Great. How about a book? Again, there's lots of them out there, but is there one book that you've maybe read this, you know, back in 2015 that really stood out for you, you think uh, our listeners would enjoy? I actually read this in 2014, and that is uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Ah, Gerstein's book, yeah. Exactly. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great links that Rick has been so kind to share at carsyeah.com slash Rick Rosso, and Rick's last name is R-O-S-O. All right, Rick, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. (laughs) All right. If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to buy whatever you want. Okay. What would that vehicle be and why? It would be Parnelli Jones's number 15 1970 Boss 302 Trans Am car. (laughs) I just, I love the color. I love Parnelli Jones. I love the Trans Am series uh, back in the day that way. I mean, it's good now too, but that would be... I could I could vintage race with that. I could do SCC Amateur with that. And it's just the coolest car in the world to me. I love it. I love it. That is a very cool car. Nice choice. See if I can pry that out of the owner's hands. That's going to be a challenge. <laughs> Rick, you have taken me on a great ride today. I knew oh, we'd have fun going around Limebrock Park and uh, doing some hot laps here. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to you. thank you. You're welcome. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the racetrack in Parnelli Jones' <laughs> Boss 302 Mustang? Follow and believe in your inner self. Mm. Perfect. I know that sounds, you know, Zen and Buddha and everything else, but it will make it will make your life easier. You will love life so much more. Just believe in yourself, and everything comes after that. Brilliant advice. And how about a best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Lime Rock Park Raceway? I know it's hard to believe, but LimeRock has a website called <laughs> LimeRock.com. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's where it's it's not the most uh, it's not the easiest to navigate. In fact, I've yet to find a racetrack website that's easy to navigate. You sort of have to have some pre knowledge, but well, go there. That's because it's a racetrack. Stuff. You know, you right, don't just like, you don't just jump on the track and know how to drive. You got to do some <laughs> laps. You know, get some seat time. But the stuff that's there, we try to tell people how they can get their own car on the track, how they can get involved in racing, nice. what kind of clubs to join. I mean, it's all there. We see ourselves as more than a racetrack website. We see ourselves almost like a clearinghouse for car nuts and racing nuts, sort of a aggregator. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these great links at carsyad.com. Just type Rick into the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with links, and I encourage you, if you've never been to Lime Rock Park, my gosh, go visit. This year's going to be even better with all the upgrades they've done. Check yep. out the website. Have some fun there. Send a note off to Rick and say, hey, I heard you on Cars. Yeah, I want to come and visit. It's a great, great place to go, whether you're there live or, or on the website. But get there live at least once in your life because it's so iconic. Rick, yep. hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. 
Mark, I want to thank you for asking me to be on the show. This is terrific. I had no idea you had so many people uh, under your belt in 18 months. Congratulations. And uh, this is going to become a must listen for me now. Not just because I was on it, but because of all the good people that you, you've had. Well, in 2016, I'll bring you even more. How's that? Excellent. All Excellent. right. Thanks so much. Very good. Thanks, folks. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.